What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm here joined today by Dan Tannenbaum, a.k.a. Watch Parts Motorcycles on Instagram. He's a rather prolific uh, artist within the watch community, creating some fantastic sculptures using watch parts. You've definitely seen his uh, stuff around. He's done some pretty, pretty cool pieces over the years that have gathered and garnered a lot of attention, and uh, we're very lucky to have him on today. Dan, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on the show today to kind of share a little bit about yourself, uh, your art, and uh, what kind of drives you to create some of these fantastic pieces. Uh, really quickly before we dive into some of those topics, what do you have on the wrist today? You know, you actually caught me empty-handed, <gasps> um, only because it's the morning. But I do, I do have have some uh, some handy. I've got uh, my transformer watch. Very nice. Which, uh, you know, pops out and becomes a transformer. And I got this wicked cool piece. I don't know if you've ever seen a Nixie tube watch. Okay, yeah. But but it, it, it tells the time through these Nixie tubes. Nice. There's this guy from Russia who put I I was fascinated by these a while ago. Mm -hmm. I forget what celebrity wore it. And uh, I needed one. And I found them on Etsy. And it was like five hundred bucks or seven hundred bucks. So I got one and they're big and chunky, right? Mm -hmm. Um and I travel a ton, so I thought, well, there's no way I'm getting through an airport with one of these. Um, and then my brother-in-law got me one of these watches, which is more streamlined, like the tubes are smaller. I don't know how they make these, um, but they're so cool looking. So uh, the only thing I don't like about it, it is it's too much um, the same um, shape as an Apple Watch. And I refuse to wear an Apple Watch, obviously, um, only because it's a device, not a watch, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I'd probably wear one with a watch on another side. Uh, but yeah, you caught me empty-handed. I'm a little embarrassed. Hey, don't worry about it. I uh, I got my G-Shock on today. I you know usually I you know got such a fan of G-Shocks, man. Huh. I, I I've got at least a dozen of them. They're they're such. Yeah, I mean, you can get one in every color, right? Like, there's, there's such a great variety of them. They're workhorses. Mm -hmm. They do a ton. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think, like, the, the newest version of that now is what um, Omega and Swatch has done. Mm. Uh, I don't love the frenzy uh, around it. I mean, there's some of them. They're, they're quartz watches at the end of the day. Uh, some of them were selling on eBay for, like, $2,000, you know, uh, and, and it's, it's a production wall. Like, there's no limit to uh how many of these watches are being produced um but i, th I think that those are going to be a real great kind of beater entry level i i'm gonna get, I'm gonna get one in every color for sure well, i love them i think what's cool about them they're sort of giving people an opportunity to have access to like omega's design language at an affordable price 100%. yeah i mean you know and and it's funny because a lot of people say to me, you know, I wish I had money I could, I, and I could collect watches. But the truth is, is you could give me any price point, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's $200 or $200,000. And I know I could find some really cool, unique pieces that you've never thought about. Um, and, and, and this watch in particular, I, I think, you know, for a lot of people who've been asking me about watches, uh, the under $500 range, I think this is a, an amazing watch for that. Absolutely. Now, you know, obviously with you being an artist and creating these fantastic pieces that you do, which I really, really want to get into and discuss, you know, hype and excitement around your products is definitely something that, you know, in the art world drives a lot of sales and, and pricing and demand for these sort of things. You know, what is, I guess, your take on, I guess, the dual-edged sword of 
hype in what the watch industry, you know, as somebody who also relies on it to a certain degree when you're selling pieces? Yeah, you know, it's it's very so I've been a collector of many different things uh my entire life. Um I, I'm like a fourth generation collector. Mm. Um, you know, my parents were African art, nineteenth century photography sort of thing. Um just to kind of give you a, a sense of you know how I even stumbled on watches, my mom uh literally wrote the book on vintage costume jewelry. And um where where most of all my um but my, my collections like live in drawers i'd have to go like visit them right mm. i love this concept of a of a collection you could wear and you could see and you could you know uh be more tactile with and that's what started me with watches so you know when when someone calls me a watch collector uh my back goes up a little because i've met a lot of watch collectors and i'm not cut from the same cloth um, you know, most of my watches have a story behind them. Most of them have a little bit um, of meaning to me. Um, whereas I find a lot of these watch collectors are just like flipping. Um, mm. You know, they spend three years trying to find this grail watch. They wear it for three years, they get bored of it, and they, 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 they go and hunt for another one, which is totally fine. It's just not my sensibility. So, you know, um, I, I started collecting probably around 25 years ago. Um, and my focus was really in the vintage Rolex sport model. Um, the fact that you can't go into uh, a Rolex store right now and buy a watch, I think is um, unfortunate. I think it's a little bit pathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was buying these, I was buying vintage 1680 Submariners for $3,000 back in the day. Uh, you know, double red sea dwellers for eight grand, you know, like it was, a, it was a different world uh, back then. And uh, I don't, I don't love kind of the frenzy that's happened and uh, the unattainability to some of these. Um, it, it doesn't really, I don't think, correlate to, you know, my artwork and the uh, frenzy around kind of why people like my artwork. Uh, I, I think it's very different. You know, what I, lo- what I love about watches, you know, personally, um, is is the provenance and the history behind some of them, right? Like if you think about wearing a watch, and and I wear one often uh, enough, is you know they've been to weddings with me, they've been to funerals with me, they've been to anniversaries and and and, and breakups and whatever, you know. They, they, there's so much history, and then you know they're left in a garbage heap somewhere, right? And uh, usually they're in a garbage heap because. You know, someone would inherit, say, their grandparents' watch, right? And they're like, "Oh my God, I want to, I want to get it, you know, um, repaired so I could wear it." And they find out it's going to cost them four hundred dollars to make it a hundred dollar watch, right? So you know, they end up, oh, maybe I'll use something else of my grandpa's to remind him. And so you know, they end up in, in these kind of um, bucket of of, of parts uh, um, from these you know watch dealers and, and watch repairers. But the truth is, is once you open the back, it's like uh, a time capsule, right? Because like no matter how water damaged it is or, or banged up it is, the insides are like preserved, right? Mm. And so for me to be able to breathe new life into these pieces that were destined to just be junked, um, I really feel good about it. I really I like that idea of kind of just uh, breathing new life into them, you know, albeit in a different kind of form. Uh, but they live again, right? Um, yeah. As opposed, you know, as opposed to just ending up in a garbage So, what I guess led you to uh, creating art 
with these pieces? I mean, you've kind of given us a little bit of an introduction to how you got into watches and sort of your histories as, you know, an appreciator of, uh, of these time pieces, but what really led you into art and creating the sculptures that you create? Yeah. I, you know, I, I have no short answers to anything. About Fair enough. <laughs> um, you know, uh, in my youth and, um, you know, you could see me and uh, those just listening to the audio. I'm a gray haired 50 year old Jewish man from, from Toronto here. Uh, so in my youth, uh, I was an art director and advertiser. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I don't know if you know anything about that industry, but you turn 30 in that industry and they look at you like you should be drinking prune juice and have a walker. Right. So in my mid 20s, I thought, you know, I got to figure out something else I got to do with my life. Um, there's no older people in this industry. So um, I started some technology company. I'm actually a technology entrepreneur. And it's always interesting when people call me an artist. It, it, it throws me a little because I really don't really I mean, I, I know what I do is art and, and and that makes me an artist but you know what i do is, is is really just kind of my yoga and my 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 expression of my creative spirit but as i started these uh technology companies uh you know i i build them grow them sell them and kind of move on to another one uh but as i was doing that and i was enjoying it um i, I love what i do but i i felt like my my creative spirit was dying like i just i wasn't accessing my creativity um as i was you know as an art director you know full-time uh, but I was a watch collector and I was at one of my watch dealers and he had this bucket of watch parts, like literally a bucket of watch parts. But I said, to him, I'm like, what is that? And he said, it's my garbage. I'm like, can I have it? I'm like, yeah, dude, it's my garbage. So uh, I took it home and I started fiddling around with it. I was actually making cufflinks with them uh, initially, uh, only because I'd seen uh, at one point uh, cufflinks with watch parts. And that was fun. I was making them and people were loving them and I was selling them, but it wasn't challenging enough to me. Um, and I don't even know what the in-between story is, but one thing led to another and I started making motorcycles. And, and, and really, uh, I think because like the largest part of a, of a watch really is its case or the bezel for that matter. And it just looked like a wheel to me. But like I've literally never been on a motorcycle in my life, which I think is the most disappointing thing to hear from most people. Um, but, but, but I love kind of industrial design and I love the idea of motorcycles. But more than anything, I love that with a motorcycle, if it had, you know, um, handlebars, a gas tank, two wheels and an engine, there was no way of screwing this up, right? Like, you, you know, like they're so customized. So, um, so, so I started this, well, am, am I still answering this question, by the way? Am I still on the right track to answering what you asked me? I, I don't know. You said you give long-winded answers. So I'm assuming we're getting there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, because what was the initial question, by the way? How did you transition from right. just an appreciator of timepieces to creating the, the sculptures that you create? Right. So I wasn't an art director. I'm this entrepreneur now and, and I needed to access my creative spirit. And, and so I and so I had access to these these watch parts and um, and, and I, I really um, got into making motorcycles. I was doing that for around five to six years. And then and then the art really evolved. But I, I really um, it was really just a need to access uh, my creativity on some level while I was kind of in this um really immersive um very intense um you know startup um growing and selling of technology companies 
And so coming from a, you know, art director background, how would you describe or, you know, categorize your art? Uh, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> and another long-winded um, answer. I, I, I would categorize it as probably steampunk. But at the end of the day, I, I think the reason why my artwork has such mass appeal is that it really uh, appeals to such a, a variety of different uh, collectors and um, and passions for people, right? Like uh, people who like contemporary art or just art in that, in that matter, uh, like my, my stuff. Watch people love my stuff. Motorcycle people love my stuff. Steampunk people, street artists, graffiti, uh, well, graffiti people, uh, uh, tattoo artists. So there's just uh, like a, a wide range of, um, of people who, who love kind of my work. I, I, could, I could really access different people's kind of uh, loves of uh, various things. Whereas I think other art, you have to either love this or you have to love you know, this specifically. Um, mine mine kind of hits, I think, a wide range of people's passions. Okay, and so I think that, uh, you know, one of the first pieces that came into, you know, my realm of understanding or, you know, where I kind of became aware of you as an artist and what you were doing was you had the uh, the Dunny and then you had the, the Stormtrooper helmet. How did, uh, what piece, you know, in, in your, I guess, uh, art career doing this so far had you know was really the one that kind of catapulted you into the stratosphere with regards to popularity my understanding is you know because quite a few celebrities that collect your, your art as well too like what really brought you into the purview of public knowledge and appreciation for your what you were doing yeah you know i i, I literally i i did i never thought i'd go beyond motorcycles i was really just enjoying making them uh you know i was selling the occasional one um uh, but it was just it was really a great um, meditation for me making them. Um, and I was approached by um, an old friend of mine who is connected with Kid Robot, who, who um, are the producers of those Dunny characters. And said, you know, I think I could get you as one of the artists to do a drop for Kid Robot. And I was like, well, what's Kid Robot? What's a Dunny, right? Like he was trying to explain it to me. Luckily here in Toronto, there's a store called uh, Toronto Collective uh, on Spadina that sells these vinyl figures, which again, I had zero concept of. I've never, I mean, I, there's so many sub collectors of things. So I went down to the store, I, I parked myself there for a week just to kind of understand who collects these things and like, what are they? And uh, I called my friend back uh, after the week and I said, are you sure you want me? I mean, these dunnies are like these happy, colorful, light vinyl figures. I'm this like heavy metal, steampunky kind of, artist like are you sure you want me and they're like yeah I, I think it would work and so it was my first time really encrusting things um you know before i was just kind of building you know these sculptures this was my first time kind of covering something with watch bars and uh i did around three or four um releases with them and they sold out in like minutes so i thought well this is cool i like this um encrusting idea and so i and so that's what really started me on my next level of my art or the next kind of evolution of my art with the encrusting where I take these like iconic um, imagery, right? Whether it's a rotary phone or a Walkman or wh whatever you could, you know, by its silhouette, what it is, I started encrusting 
Um, and, and so that, that was kind of the evolution of it that, that got me to like the Dunnies, that got me to the Stormtrooper, for instance. Uh, that Stormtrooper uh, helmet that you're alluding to on my uh, Instagram page is actually the head of a three foot Stormtrooper I did, uh, which was wicked. You know, like I, I, I didn't know that my uh, artwork could lend itself to something so large, you know, eventually. And, and um, it looks really cool, large, and, and I really like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with this name, Watch Parts Motorcycles, and I, and, I, and I don't do motorcycles as much anymore, but um, I've kind of built that name uh, for myself, so I, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> That's awesome. So I guess getting into more like the nuts and bolts of your, your art, like, you know, obviously with these pieces that you're doing, some of them are quite large commissions. I imagine that these are requiring tens of thousands of parts, like, how do you continue to have the constant influx of parts? Where are you finding all these watch parts from that you make these these uh, these pieces out of? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I've, I've been doing it for uh, fifteen years, or maybe just a, a little bit over ten, for that matter. Um, and uh, as I alluded to before, I've, I've been a collector of many things. So I frequent antique stores, flea markets, estate sales. I'm always kind of grabbing um, when I can. Uh, that being said, I had someone in Ukraine who was sending me massive amounts of parts. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he's uh, not focused on sending parts right now. So the bigger commissions for me, um, I, I, I've put on a bit of a hold while I kind of focus on some of my smaller stuff. Uh, because it, it, I mean, there, there are literally thousands of uh, little pieces that that go into these bigger builds, um, specifically like a three foot, you know, stormtrooper or a 20 inch Danny, or even my, my Air Jordans. I mean, there's, there's, there's just thousands of pieces that go into it. So um, I've got, I've, and, and, and because I'm a watch collector, all my watch dealer um, kind of connections and uh, watch repair guys save up parts for me. And so like once a month, they send me like a box of stuff. Um, but I was fortunate enough you know, I didn't post it. I posted it on Facebook, but the, uh, I was dropping my daughter off at um, one of her best friend's houses probably around six months ago. And as I'm coming back, um, I, I passed by this antique store that I've never seen, it, which is rare because I, 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 I love antiquing. And on the window, it said clock repair and watch repair. And then there was a big sign right next to it going out of business. <laughs> I went running in there. I'm like, going out of business, man. Like, what do you got for me? And he was like, you know, hold your horses, dude. Like, the, the building's for sale. It could be 10 years. It could be tomorrow. But so slowly, I, I kind of um, became friends with this um, older couple who owned this antique place who ran it for 50 years. Uh, and he was a watch repair guy, kind of started giving me pieces. Anyways, the, the building ended up selling. And I got just a whack of unbelievable pieces from, the, from this guy who's like, been building up 50 years so um so, so I, I i've been fortunate that uh, my timing's been right you know in, in certain uh situations where i've been able to kind of acquire a lot at once um so so I, there's no lack of pieces for me that's fantastic so i guess you know so say somebody wants to do a commission like is, is, is all your is all of your work, do you just feel inspired and create pieces sometimes? Or is there is everything nowadays kind of done on a commission basis with you? Like someone approaches you and says, hey, I have this idea. Can you do this? Uh, it's, 
it's it's I, I rarely do personal pieces uh, if ever uh, anymore. Uh, that being said, like every commission I do, uh, and and you know I try to get to as many people as possible. These take so long to make, mm -hmm. right? So people are a little bit insulted by either a waiting list or that I just say no. Uh, but when I do take on a commission, it's so funny. I, I, I was just telling someone last night about this. When I'm making these pieces and I'm making a, a wicked um, Iron Man helmet right now, mm. every single time, no matter what, when I'm making a commission, I'm like, you know what? I'm not selling this. <laughs> I love this too much. I'm going to make this one for myself and I'm going to make another one for this other person. But needless to say, every time I finish, I'm like, okay, fine, I'll just sell it. I don't have the energy to do this again. But literally every time I make a piece, uh, I, I say, I, there's no way I'm selling this, man. This is for me. I love it too much. So what is the like standard and you know, kind of wait time for a piece? Or what is, I guess, how long does it take to create one of these pieces? You know, it, well, it depends. Like, don't forget, I am an, a technology entrepreneur uh, running, you know, a, a, a multinational uh, gambling software platform. Um, I have three kids and a very large family, so you know, it, it depends on kind of what's happening in my life. Um, I don't, I don't require much sleep, so I, so I do uh, all of this at nighttime. Um, so it, it, it really depends on my OCD attack and how long it lasts. So um, I, a piece could take anywhere from 20 hours to 180 hours, right? Really depending on the size, the intricacies of the piece, um, and, and my focus on, on how I can uh, get it done. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, 20 hours at the lowest, right? Uh, you know, I'd say on average, they take around 50 hours. Okay. What... Uh... You know, you see some names pop up on your Instagram page from time to time uh, regarding some of the interesting people that you've been able to do commissions for and work with. Can you give us a list of some of the interesting celebrities or people who you've been able to create art for that, you know, publicly are, are okay with you sharing it or you have already shared publicly? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, the, the precursor to me saying all that is uh, while it's very flattering to me to have celebrities um purchase uh, my pieces for their collection. I, I, I'm I flattered by anyone who wants a piece of mine in their collection. Like, uh, you know, it's it's cool and it's uh, flattering and, and um, it, it's a good ego boost when a celebrity, um, you know, acquires one of my pieces. But I, 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 don't, I don't hold any weight one way or another if, it, if it's just kind of someone I, that isn't a celebrity. I, I, I am, very flattered that anyone has my artwork in their collection. That being said, um, uh, Paul uh, Tootle Sr., um, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, from Orange County Choppers. Um, I made a custom chopper for him. Uh, Danielle from American Pickers, I've made a chopper for her. Um, Chief Keefe, who's a rapper, um, I've, I've made uh, three pieces for him. Uh, Steve Aoki has uh, two of my time bombs. Uh, to, to name a few. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of um, athletes who um, who love my arsenal of like guns and stuff like that. But you know, they can't post obviously uh, that kind of stuff on their um, their feeds. But but I find it interesting. You know, as I said earlier, I'm a 50 year old Jewish dude. You know, here in Toronto, uh, commuting uh, communicating with these like 20 year old gangsters in L.A. Right and um, I, I, I find it interesting, you know, um, th th this connection that I have with these, these guys, 
but I, I find it more interesting uh, than anything else is that they're interested in art, right? And on top of having their blingy, iced out Rolexes and their um, crazy cars, uh, they're cool and it says a lot about them and their personality um, that they want to surround their, themselves with something unique. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, would you really say, you know, based on kind of your previous comments that like the most rewarding thing you find about this is that you know people are engaging and interested in having your art in their collection or is there something else that you find extremely rewarding about this whole process for you well the, the most rewarding thing for me is the meditative aspect to it that i really get to um have my zen moment um mm -hmm. in, in, in a day or in a week whenever I, I i get to my artwork um i love that that people acquire them because otherwise i'd have just a, a room full of uh this kind of stuff uh, but but that that isn't really the most rewarding thing to me to be very honest. Uh, the rewarding thing is the process and um, and what it what it's able to do to, for my mind and my 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 spirit my you know my whole being like that. It, it's a really the outlet for me is, is the key. And as as a creative and and a very successful person in, in your your personal life outside of this as well too. Can you articulate, I guess, the importance of having that kind of outlet and really finding that kind of outlet for individuals that are out there? You know, I, I mean, everyone's so uniquely different. You know, um, for some people, it's sports. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, for some people, it's it's reading. Uh, for my wife, it's yoga. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think having an outlet, you know, outside, you know, your work and your family environment uh, is important to me. Um, you know, every, everyone... You know, runs very different, you know, and, and has uh, different ways of either expressing themselves or releasing. Um, so I can really only speak for my, me personally, but uh, for me, it's 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 such a vital part of my uh, my calmness, you know, uh, in, in the course of a day or a week uh, that I vitally need. Um, it really, it helps me uh, focus uh, a lot better um, and, and express myself. So out of all the pieces that you've made over the years and all the commissions that you've done, which one has been your absolute favorite or the one you've enjoyed working on the most? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Every, every new piece that I make is, is a unique challenge to me. Um, and, and I enjoy it. There's no piece that I make that I'm like, oh, not this again, right? Because uh, if that was the case, I wouldn't make it. Like, I, I don't. I don't make a. I don't make any piece. Like if someone um, calls me for a commission that doesn't intrigue me, or I don't think will be challenging, or I don't think I'll do it justice, I just say no, right? Like uh, that. I don't think uh, I do a great job at it. Um, so, so every piece I love. Um, I, I really enjoyed the um, uh, Three Foot Stormtrooper. Uh, I think it came out really awesome. Um, but I wouldn't say there's one piece that that um, you know I, I like the start like I like my first Jordan, right? Um, you know, and, and every time I do a Jordan or a pause piece or a Dunny, I try I try to make it, it. Well, first of all, it's impossible to make anyone the exact same, but I try to make it uniquely different each time. Uh, but I but I do uh, enjoy kind of my first time doing like a new. Um, uh, uh, like um, a mold, right? Like like uh, the Iron Man that I'm doing right now, right? 
I haven't done a full helmet like that. Um, and, and I'm enjoying the process so far. That's really interesting. And so with regards to the these pieces that you make, like, you know, when you're saying you're, you're a lot of your art is the encrusting now. So do you actually buy the physical item and then encrust it? Or you, you spoke about a mold. Do you actually create a mold of the item? I'll, I'll buy the piece, right? Like, um, and encrust it. Um, rarely will someone give me a piece. You know, usually I get them off Amazon. Um, and, and then I'll, I'll end up uh, encrusting them. So I, I, I don't I don't 3D print or, or have uh, that part of my brain. Uh, so yeah, I'll, you know, and, and a lot of times I'll be at like an antique store, store or a flea market and I'll see like an old camera or an old rotary phone or a phone be like whoa like that would be cool and and i'll keep them aside because a lot of times someone will say oh you know i love that stormtrooper i'd love that stormtrooper and i'll say well first of all a group of stormtroopers crazily expensive mm -hmm. I, you know not to you know maybe that's what your budget is but like what else do you like right like you know like you for example like those shelves look interesting to me i don't know what's on them um are they trains are they you know no i got uh so i got all kinds of different stuff i got like star wars stuff some lego stuff books back there in the back is all uh, vintage books um some old militaria things like that and some globes and uh, cool all kinds of stuff like that i, I i'm kind of just a general collector of things so i have sort of all kinds of different stuff I something and i saw these shelves um, I, I would go deeper into them and say, like, you know, I mean, Star Wars, uh, which I, you know, I, I know what Star Wars is, but like, you know, do you have a favorite character? Do you have, you know, you know, it, I, I've never done one of the ships before. Um, so I, I like that process to make it kind of more personal uh, to someone and, and, and relevant to really what they're collecting, right? Like, um, if, if, if it's just a, a, a three-foot stormtrooper and the guy's not even a Star Wars fan, totally fine i mean i i think they're iconic to begin with uh i I'd, I'd rather do something that that means something to them on, on some level hmm. very interesting yeah no that sounds that sounds really cool even just for saying that already gave me a couple cool ideas for something that'd be some cool commissions one day that'd be really neat that's uh so you know kind of moving out of your art specifically and moving back into you as a as a watch collector you know or an appreciator of of time pieces can you kind of tell us a little bit about what do you have that you wear? Uh, what do you look for in pieces that, you know, I guess spark joy or create or, you know, get you passionate and excited and uh, share some stories about some cool pieces. You know, you, you talked about the importance of storytelling and, you know, having creating memories with these pieces. Can you share some of that with us as well, too? So, so first of all, there's no ego in my collection. I have everything from Casio to the back. Um, it, it's really whatever kind of charms me in mm -hmm. one way or another, whether whether it's a complication or a color or uh, some uniqueness to the piece. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the, your primary watch, the first watch that you have, I think is, is usually kind of uh, more of a um, basic, if you will, watch. I think the fun watches to buy is watch number two, three, four, five, whatever, uh, that you can go a little bit crazy and special um I, i've got i've got lots of stories with lots of my different watches um, i've got a great um a, a, a roommate of mine from college when we graduated mm -hmm. uh started collecting watches uh later on uh, in his life um 
and, and I remember saying to him, and this was probably around 30 years ago, uh, like, why are you wasting your money on watches? You know, like, it's uh, so ridiculous, right? Like, so, you know, like, it's just a waste. And he, and he, he was trying to convince me that watches were, were, were cool and, and, and that um, there was lots of variety. And I, I just, I wasn't buying it. Um, and then he, he, he showed me a website and said, well, how about this watch? And it, it was a vintage white-faced uh, Hoyer Montreal. And I was like, you know what? That's a cool looking watch. I like that watch. And he said, yeah, I want that watch. So I said, oh, well, there it is. You should get it. Anyways, months passed, six months, eight months passed. Uh, and I went onto the website because, you know, I, I, I kept thinking about watches. And that watch was still there. So I bought it. And he called me like two hours later. I was like, damn, that watch sold. I can't believe it. I, I wanted it. I'm like, dude, that was like eight months ago you told me you wanted it, right? Like, I bought it. He said, what, you asshole, right? Like, how dare you? I'm like, listen, man, I've got no uh, attachment to this watch at all. I'll just have it sent right to you. It doesn't matter. I, I don't need to fight about a watch. If, if you want it, I'll send So anyways, I sent it to him. Cut to um, 15 years later. He has late stage four inoperable lung cancer, non-smoker. Um, still one of my closest friends. Uh, he was given three years to live. Uh, and then the, towards the end of his life, uh, kind of a month before he passed, we, we were out, we were going through his bucket list and, uh, he was wearing the watch and, you know, I said, Jeremy, you know, I, I always love seeing you wear this watch. You know, uh, you, you got me into watch collecting and all that. And he said, listen, I'm, I'm willing this watch to you anyways, when I die and it's inevitable. So you take it now. So I can at least see you wear the watch before I pass. Um, and so that watch has a lot of meaning to me. Um, I, I'm sure I've shared uh, the story of the watch I got for my son with you. Yeah, um, you you would let me. You sent me sort of an article about it, but why don't you kind of elaborate on that? Because it's a very significant Rolex. Yeah. So you know, when my my wife was pregnant with our twins, I was convinced she was having two girls. Like, literally, didn't even have two boys' names picked. Right. Uh, anyway, she gives birth, boom, boom, two boys, right? I'm like, holy shit, right? I, like, I, like uh, it, it didn't even occur to me that I'd have boys for some reason. I don't even know why. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to get these two boys the most iconic watches of all time, in my view. Uh, and and I'll, give it to, I'll give it to them on their 21st birthday, right? So I run home and I go on the computer and I, 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 I jump on my forums because I'm a geek when it comes to collecting. And I say, I want these two watches. I, I've got 21 years to find it, so all the time in the world, and I only want the best example of these watches, mm -hmm. right? And one of the watches was the Rolex Submariner 6, reference 6538. Don Connery wore that in Dr. Noah's James Bond, and to me, that's what put Rolex on the map. Like, I think Rolex is Rolex because of the whole James Bond thing. Anyone could argue, uh, to, just in my mind, that's why Rolex became Rolex. Mm -hmm. I wanted that watch, that specific, right? Anyways, I get a call from one of my watch dealers here in London, Ontario. It's like a two-hour drive from the city. Uh, and he said, Dan, you know, I sold a watch locally here uh, that you're looking for uh, 30 years ago. Should I see if he still has it? I'm like, yeah, man, see if he still has it for sure. So he calls me two hours later. He's like, Dan, he still has it. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, book a lunch for me and him next week. He's like, what? I'm like, me, lunch, him, next week, click, right? So uh, he arranges his lunch for me and him. I drive down to London, Ontario. Uh, I meet up with him in a, at a deli. We sit down. First thing he says to me is, I know you're after my watch, not for sale. 
Went, okay, well, that's fair. Could have told me before the two-hour trip, but uh, totally fair. I totally understand. I said, but you know what? I've never seen a good example, of, uh, any example of this watch. Uh, can I just hold it in my hands, right? Can I, you know, be private with it maybe for five minutes and do whatever I want to do with it? Like, I, I need to see this watch, right? But it says, well, it's been sitting in my safety deposit box for 25 years. What? Why is it in your safety deposit box? And he said, it's an investment. I said, wait a sec. You have no emotional attachment to this watch whatsoever? I'm like, no. Like, it's only an investment to you? He's like, yeah. I go, okay. Let me do this. Let me get my guys from Sotheby's down here in the next couple of weeks, whatever's convenient. And give you a proper fair market assessment appraisal of what this watch is worth. Okay? I'll pay for this watch in gold, right? Gold is far going to surpass this investment opportunity you have of a mechanical movement in a damp safety deposit box. Uh-huh. So he agreed to it, uh, the sale of the watch. And uh, I, I acquired it. And I said, listen, I love uh, collecting. I love provenance. Uh, would you do me a favor? Uh, this is for my, my son's 21st birthday. He's six months old right now. Would you write my son a letter, just kind of who you are, how you found the watch, what you liked about the watch, and I'll present it as provenance to this watch. Well, this guy writes a letter, man, that like is mind blowing, right? I'd read the letter, but uh, maybe you'll post it as a as a link or whatever to your thing. But the the, the letter is literally, I mean, it's better than my wedding speech. I mean, it is unbelievable. So the second watch has an equally great story that's in the making, so I don't want to jinx it because I don't have it yet. Uh, but the, but the, because I thought I was going to need a ghostwriter for my other son's watch, like what the hell, right? This this, this story is too amazing. So th- that's the kind of now that being said, not all my watches have these incredible stories. Uh, you know, some of them um, just intrigued me, or um, I, I love I love watches that are uh, limited in production, one of twenty, one of fifty, one of a hundred. Uh, I like that concept that that there aren't mass produced out there. Although you know, I have you know uh, many G Shocks as well. Um, I, I I I try to look at a collection. You know, I was collecting I was collecting vintage Rolex sport models at one point, and I had all these subs: fifty five oh eight, sixty five thirty eight, um, uh, fifty five thirteen, fifty five twelve, uh, sixteen eighty. But at the end of the day, you look at that collection; they all kind of the same, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like Oh, am I in the mood for a 1680 or a 1680 red line? You know, it, it, I, I needed more depth to my collection at one point. And, and I started kind of whiteboarding out, uh, you know, uh, what I think a collection should look like. Like, I think, you know, everyone needs a, a solid dress watch. I think someone needs a great dive watch. Uh, I think a great chrono is important in a collection. Uh, I think um, like a novelty watch. You know, I've got a Graham Chrono Fighter Overlord. I have my Urwerk. Uh, you know, I, I, and I hate to call an Urwerk a, a novelty watch, but uh, you know, something a little outside the box, I think, is uh, uh, a nice watch to have. Specifically, if you're calling yourself a watch collector, I think people um, look to it. Um, and, and then I think like a great watch collector's watch, like for instance. The, the Rolex state the vintage Rolex Daytona from the 60s right they have the, a movement called the Valjoux 72 movement which is like a beautiful movement it's like butter right but Rolex never made their own movements you know especially in the 60s and and so that movement went down this assembly line and someone to Rolex someone to other companies someone to this 
relatively unknown company called Anacar, right? So uh, I've got a great collection of Anacars with the Valjeu 72 movement. And, and, to, and, and they're like $5,000 watches, 2000 when I was buying them. And, and, you know, versus a, a, a vintage Rolex Daytona, which is what, eighty to $100,000? Mm-hmm. But this is like having a Pinto with a Porsche engine, right? It's the exact same inside, right? So if you don't have an ego or, you know, in your collection and necessarily need the Rolex logo on it, it's the exact same watch, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same configuration. So I like watches like that, that no one would ever look at that watch and be like, oh, is that a Valjeu 72? But uh, uh, a watch guy, you know, uh, sitting across, you know, um, a restaurant from me uh, might give me kind of a, a, a knowing nod, like he knows, uh, or, or he's trying to pick me up, one of the two, um, <laughs> either one. Um, but, but you know, it, it's those watches also that kind of have, um, you know, significance within kind of the watch collecting world that, that really only other watch collectors might know about that I, that I really like. So really those enthusiast type pieces that, you know, people who are in the know are going to appreciate, but otherwise kind of fly under the radar for the general public. I think that's exactly where some of the great value is in the watch collecting uh, hobbies, getting those pieces that, you know, anyone can pick out, you know, a Rolex from across the room, Tudor, Omega is starting to be like that as well too, but having something that's really exciting, you know, uh, to yourself as a collector and then to others as well. You you mentioned Enicar as a brand. What is it, you know, other than these Valjeu 72 movements that you think really attracts you to that brand? Or is it just kind of that that, uh, connection between with with the movements in Rolex as well? So like, I'm I'm not as big of a watch geek as as it might seem kind Mm -hmm. of outwardly. Um, again, I'm a collector of many things. One of my business partners, his name is David Katz, uh, introduced me to, to watch collecting. Now, he, so if, I, if I'm doing any big purchase for a watch, I go to him, right? Mm-hmm. If he can look at the watch and be like, listen, this is a 1972 watch and the hands are from 1983. I don't know that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, I, I, I looked, you know, initially to his guidance on kind of what to look for uh, in a great watch. But, um, you know, I, I, I like Enicar because I was introduced to it, but like, you know, I love Zodiac, you know, I, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of, I love jump hour watches. Like, you know, those are like $300, $500, maybe maximum watches. I, I, I can't get enough of those watches. I just, I, I love the idea of them kind of pre-digital watches. Um, so, so I'm less of a, a brand specific person, although I said I was kind of a vintage Rolex sport model guy. Um, I'm, I'm less brand specific than I am just the aesthetics of a watch. Um, you know, I'll never just look up Omega, you know, like, um, you know, on eBay, you know, initially I, I probably looked up 70s watches, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of saw what came up uh, because I like the obscurity of, um, of some of some of these brands. Now, you know, uh, I, I think when your collection gets to a certain point, um, you end up rolling some of these five hundred to a thousand dollar watches in, into um, into bigger watches, but uh, all my watches get wrist time, right? Like if they don't get wrist time, um, which which would be very rare, uh, I would end up you know either giving the watch away to a friend or or, or rolling it into another watch. Okay, and so what I guess uh, in your collection would you say is your favorite piece or the piece that you enjoy wearing the most? And, 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 and that changes month to month, right? Like, like I, I literally don't have a favorite. Uh, I've been wearing um, my, uh, my Redline Rolex a lot lately. 
only because I sold one a while ago. Uh, only because the prices went nuts, and I'm like, I bought it for like three grand, right? To be able to get eighteen grand for it was like a dream. So I sold it, and it was one of the 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 only there's probably three or four watches that I regret selling. And uh, and one came up recently locally here in Toronto, uh, because the truth is, find them outside the country, uh, you're getting into shifty territory, right? Like you know, paying duty on these watches, and it's just it, it sucks, right? So to find one locally, I was so excited. So I've been wearing it a lot lately, just for pure nostalgia. Like I really love this watch. I really regretted selling it. And so I'm happy to have it on my wrist again. Um, what else have I been wearing uh, recently? I feel like there's been a couple. Um, yeah, so there's a, a vintage Fleur that I bought forever ago, but it was on kind of like this shitty aftermarket. Can I say shitty? Like, is that okay? You just did. Okay. Uh, so uh, it was a kind of shitty aftermarket. It wasn't even a whole uh, But I loved, I, I love vintage Fleurs, by the way. Uh, and I never really wore it. Um, so I, I, I ended up getting a uh, period correct um, ra uh, black racing strap to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I've been wearing it. I've been loving it, you know. Um, so I think it's kind of important to experiment with straps. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it breathes new life into them. Mm -hmm. uh, they're easy to take on and off. Uh, you know, take a YouTube video on how to do it. Um, and and it, it, it gives it uh, different characters. So uh, this is a watch that I bought that I loved. Uh, I bought it opportunistically. It was it was a good price, uh, but but I, I the, the the bracelet was like pinching my wrist, so it was like painful to wear. Uh, I hated the look of the bracelet, uh, and I just and I've had it for years. I just never thought, uh, you know, I, I I I did think to put it on a, a a strap, but I wanted it to be a Hoyer one. I wanted it to be like a '60s Hoyer with the right buckle. Uh, so I just bit the bullet, and, 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 and so that's good wrist time. So I'm, I'm between those two over the last, say, two weeks. Um, but, you know, within the next week or so, those are going to go back on the winder until I um, until they, they show their face again. Nice. And so I guess what's next on the radar? What are you hoping to pick up in the near future here? You know, I don't have any. I, 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 I like that, that – um, um, that new swatch. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't like quartz watches. I just I don't like the concept of a quartz watch. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I I do like the look of this watch. Uh, so I'll get probably two or three of those. Um, but there's you know my friend David he buys watches like crazy and 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 uh, and, and obscure brands uh, at least to me, and they're so amazing that you know um, it's hard to uh, not get caught up in buying them. Mm -hmm. But watch collection is very expensive, you know, and um, I, I, I don't want to have um, too many kind of heavy duty watches. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's too much money tied up really in, mm -hmm. in that, that collection. So I don't have my eyes on anything specific, uh, but I never have, like I've never, um, you know, besides obviously this, this red line that I wasn't even after it just kind of happened. I, I never laser focus on, I, you know, I, I've got a list of watches I love and that I'd like. Mm -hmm. um, but, but if, if opportunistically I could buy them, they're so fine. They're so expensive now, you know, um, I just, I, I can't justify it. Fair enough. Um, 
what are some of the things that you love about the watch collecting community as a whole? What's something that you find unique as someone who's a collector of things and you've been in, in a lot of different, um, probably enthusiast kind of groups and, and categories over the years. What do you think is unique about our little slice of the collecting world, I guess? Uh, you know, I really don't like the watch collecting community, uh, mm. to be very honest with you. I, uh, I've been a collector of many different things my whole life. Uh, I find it uh, like, um, I was going to go to one of these watch trade shows at one point. Uh, and my friend David said, don't do it. It'll, I mean, if you think that you don't like the community, it's like, like a, a bull market there, right? Like, you know, they're, they're, they're like, they're just scummy. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I don't like, like, uh, you know, I like when someone talks about a watch. Oh my God, you know where I found this watch or know what's great about this watch or, you know, you know, what's cool when you do this, uh, those guys I like. Uh, but they're far and few between. Like uh, the watch community, you know, as it were. Uh, I, 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 I just, I don't really relate to those people. Uh, to be very honest with you, uh, whether that ends up biting me in the ass for saying so, I don't know. But like, I, I like, I, you know, I don't particularly love. You know, it's all about money, and and, and it's worth this now. And you know, I, I bought it for nothing. And, you know, less about the uniqueness and the, the love and the passion for, you know, why this piece is so great. Um, and, and, and maybe it's, it's just a, a lack of finding those uh, those people. I, and I am connected to um, watch collectors, uh, but I, I, I don't I don't consider those people part of the watch community or collecting community. They're just watch collectors. Right. And, and, and those people I relate to, mm -hmm. um, like they don't have to be part of the the watch fanaticism, right? They love watches and they'll, you know, find a, a great dealer to um, source a, a great watch for them, but they don't need to entrench uh, themselves and, and kind of uh, surround themselves with other crazy watch guys. Um, I, I've had just bad experience with, with, with those, um, th those kind of people. I understand what you mean. So it's very much like you appreciate the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm and the enthusiast part of the, of the hobby, but you don't really enjoy, you know, a lot of the hype and the money driven aspect of it. And, and some of the, like you said, kind of the scumbaggy parts of it of, you know, people trying to scalp a $350 moon swatch for, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on eBay. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's too much. It's, and it's, it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. So I guess, my final kind of parting question to you then is as we wrap up the show here, I appreciate you taking so much time to come on and talk today and share so much about yourself and about your, your part in the hobby here is, is just if you could impart one piece of wisdom to somebody who's coming into this hobby or just to the watch community as a whole, what would that be regarding the hobby? It's really, uh, and it goes for collecting with anything. And, and you know, I, I kind of equate it to, uh, to like wine, right? Like I love wine. And mm -hmm. I, I'm a big collector of wine. And people say, oh, you love wine. What should I drink? It's like, I don't know. Like, what do you like to eat? Like, what kind of taste do you like? Mm -hmm. Do you like spicy? Do you like fruity? You know, and, and it's the same with watch collecting. You know, a lot of people will say to me, like, oh, you know, I want to start a watch collection. What should I get? It's like, I don't know. Right? Like, what do you like? You know, does it need to have a date on it? Does it need to be waterproof? Um, so, you know, buy what you love. Right? Um, always. Right? Don't buy because uh, it's an investment. Right? There's other investments out there um that, that that you could do buy what you love um and um and 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 treat them 
uh, you know, these amazingly uh, engineered objects uh, with respect. Um, and, um, and please put a, put a link somehow to that letter. Uh, I'll, we'll figure it out because I think it really outlines why I love watch collecting, mm-hmm. uh, albeit from someone else's um, uh, words. But but uh, but but really, only only get um, uh, what you love and try to get the best examples if you can afford it. Mm. Uh, don't buy out of uh, your your price range. Uh, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. Right. Uh, the nice thing about watch collecting versus like you know like I collect nineteenth century photography for instance. Right. If I see a piece that I love and I don't buy it, that's it. That's it's mm-hmm. one of a kind. If, if there's a watch that you can't afford or that you have to pass up, you'll be able to find it again one day, right? It might be a little bit more expensive or whatever. That's fine. Um, and then the last piece of advice is, is, you know, it's okay if a dealer's charging a little bit more than say like eBay or whatever, because don't worry about paying a 10 to 15% premium to make sure it's authentic, mm-hmm. right? There's so many people being scammed out there with fakes or Franken watches. I never mind paying a little bit more knowing that it's a dealer I trust that I'll be loyal to that I know at the end of the day is going to be uh, authentic. And that's so vitally important when you're spending your hard earned money. Right. So, uh, and, and thus ends my like long winded answers that at the end of it, I'm always thinking like, did I actually, answer his question like I, I, I should have written down the questions as you came no but I, I think question. I think you hit all the answers I think you answered them fully and and, and relatively concisely <laughs> and uh, and provided great value uh, to the listeners today really quickly what are some landing spots or places that people can engage with you engage with your content or if someone's interested in commissioning some of your art where can they contact you yeah I've got a, I've got a Facebook page, Watch Parts Motorcycles. Uh, Instagram is really the only place that I'm, I'm active at the moment. Um, you know, I'd love to be on TikTok. I'd love to be doing all this other stuff. Uh, it's just, it's not um, so, something I'd be able to manage. So if you want to engage with me, um, it's, it's usually through Instagram. I, I, I really always answer um, anyone's uh, DMs. Um, that, that, that are uh, within reason. Um, I, I love when people like a comment. So Instagram is really the best way to get a hold of me. It's at Watch Parts Motorcycles. Um, it, it, it's, it's a great venue of, of lots of positive energy that I've really enjoyed being a part of. That's terrific. Yeah, definitely. Every... Sorry? That community I like. I like the Instagram community. Oh, it's that's it's I that's kind of where I primarily hang out now too. I used to be a big forum guy and, and I think honestly the, the best community is on Instagram for, for the watch community for sure too. Um definitely those listening, those watching, head over uh to to Dan's page. You know, even if you're just curious about his art and want to see some great examples of some of the amazing things that he's doing, there's some fantastic photography there, there's a fantastic kind of catalog of some of the awesome projects that he's done. Likewise for myself, if anybody has any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to shoot me an email at ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you want to follow along with the show on Instagram, you can head over to the Rico's Watches Podcast Instagram page, just Rico's Watches Podcast. Great place for updates, uh, occasional wrist shots, giveaways, contests, all that kinds of things as well too. 
Uh, if you're enjoying this episode in an audio medium and would like to enjoy it in a visual medium, you can head over to the Rico's Watches Podcast YouTube channel additionally as well too. It's just Rico's Watches Podcast. Great place to follow along and uh, enjoy, you know, seeing myself seeing Dan, you know, some of the, the great kind of background that he has with one of his projects that he has in the background there as well, too. And uh, yeah, once again, Dan, fantastic chatting with you today. I appreciate you making the time and uh, I really look forward to following along with some of the amazing things you're going to be doing going forward into the future. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Great to be on this podcast. Absolutely. And signing off.